This episode is sponsored by Paleo Valley. Paleo Valley's meat sticks have been a lifesaver during this hot summer. Since they're shelf stable, I always have three Paleo Valley meat sticks in my bag at all times. It's also been perfect for my boys' lunch boxes. I love Paleo Valley's grass finished beef sticks and pasture raised turkey sticks because they support US family farmers that focus on regenerative agriculture. These meat sticks are from animals that have never been fed grains, soy, corn, or GMOs and have never been given antibiotics. The spices in these meat sticks are also 100% organic. The sticks come in five different flavors, and my favorite is the original beef stick, and my boys love the teriyaki beef sticks and the original pasture raised turkey stick. Paleo Valley's meat sticks are a perfect snack and, frankly, a great value without skimping on quality. Each stick is about $2 with our discount code, and it comes in a 10 pack bag. Make sure to support this podcast and head over to paleovalley.comslash CATG and use code CATG to get 15% off your first order. Thanks for listening and supporting the Cutting Against the Grain podcast. Laura and I are just going to be talking really candid. This is what this podcast is all about. It's one thing to say, I want to eat something else that's not meat. It's a whole other thing to say, you need to eat something else that's not meat. If you notice that you're jumping from diet to diet, at a certain point, you have to wonder the only common denominator is me. Get outside, go for a walk, <laughs> get some vitamin D, breathe、yeah. some fresh air, and stay happy and healthy and, and take care of yourselves. Let's just have some real talk. <laughs> Welcome to the Cutting Against the Grain podcast. Hey guys, thanks for joining the Cutting Against the Grain podcast. My name is Judy Cho, and I'm here with my co host, Laura Spath. Today, we're going to have a light conversation about troubleshooting on a carnivore diet. You know, we are past World Carnivore Month. Sometimes, when we get started, we notice we start to have or we start running into hiccups. One of the most common concerns that happens when people first get started. And it doesn't always have to just be when people first get started. Sometimes it's also throughout the diet, but they can't normalize their stools. So they may have constipation. They may struggle with loose stools. Laura, for you, when you first started carnivore or ketogenic diets, did you have loose stools? Did you have constipation? What, what, how are your bowels? <laughs> how's your poo? I love, first of all, I want to say, I love how you said they keep running into problems. <laughs> There you go.、Um, Because that is, everybody thinks you're going to be constipated, but most people do end up with diarrhea. I certainly was one of them.、Uh, I can experience it occasionally if I eat too much in one sitting. I go to a Brazilian steakhouse and I eat a ton at once, and it's a lot of fatty meat and it's a lot of liquid to go. A lot, I drink a lot with my meals, like then I might、um, still experience it. So, but I also know it's because of what I was doing. So, Um, when people are starting out, it's, it's really, really common. I experienced it in the beginning、um, a lot. For some people, it takes a couple weeks to get past. For some people, it's a lot longer.、Um, but it's figuring out the balance of salt versus fat versus you know, other things to adjust those ratios. I think also trying to eat a lot at one time. You know, everybody tells you like you need tons of salt and you need tons of fat. And so people are preloading tons of that stuff. And those, Can cause a lot of diarrhea. And so, or sorry, the Judy way of saying it is loose stools. 
Um, so uh, eating less at one time can be helpful. Eating um, less fat in one sitting at first can be helpful just as your body is, you know, learning to adjust. Yeah, it's really tricky because if you are diabetic or you're having blood sugar imbalances, you want to add more fat to then force the body to possibly use more fat. The issue is that most people that were not eating mostly meat or higher fat, they can't tolerate it. So then if they did that, they get the loose stools. So I'm trying to find this like happy balance, which is kind of difficult. Maybe it's just balancing more of the electrolytes and focusing less on the super high fat. I I think the key thing is to minimize loose stools because if you have loose stools, you're reducing all of your electrolytes in your body and you have to keep chasing the electrolyte balance. And then you're just going to feel dehydrated and tired because of all the loose stools. So if that means that initially you have to eat a little bit less fatty meats, you may have to just do that until you figure out what's going on. Now, there are supplements you could take. There's digestive enzymes. You can take even if you can tolerate like apple cider vinegar. That's an easy one to do to increase stomach acid, help the digestion. And you can take things like ox bile and um, and choline. And sometimes people take like milk thistle and berberine, so other types of herbs. But essentially, you have to figure out what's causing the loose stools. And sometimes it's not just a digestion change from the foods we're eating. So I'd say majority is because... It's this fine balance of the electrolytes with um, with the fats and proteins like Laura was mentioning. But for some people, if your loose stools are still occurring, you've tried all the digestive enzymes, the ox bile, the, the common things that people recommend, and you're still having loose stools, it's time to look further. And that's where I will then recommend a stool test. And you may even want to check out a hormone called melanocyte stimulating hormone. Um, Oftentimes when that's dysregulated, it's a hormone that's regulated by the brain. And if you are imbalanced with that, sometimes can also be triggering the gut imbalances. Well, one thing I want to clarify is, and you're talking about if that issue persists over a long period of time, like when you go carnivore, it's very normal for you to have that. Your body has to adjust. Like fiber is kind of what holds all of the you know, water in your stools. And so that's what causes them to be thicker and chunkier. And so, um, you know, when you cut out all that fiber, it is going to be loose while your body adjusts to absorbing all that water. And so I don't, Judy's not talking about after two weeks or even after a month, but if your body is not adjusting on its own, as most people's do after a month or so, then you can start looking into other issues. But in the first, I would say less than a month, or, you know, if it's only been a month or so, um, you really should just kind of adjust maybe how much or just push through, make sure you are getting enough electrolytes because your body should naturally adjust over time on its own. Yeah. And then you also have to be honest with yourself. So if you're eating carnivore on five days a week and then you're like, oh, I'm just going to be a little bit looser on the weekends. And then you add a bit of fiber, or you add a bit of carbs and that changes the microbiome. Then when you come Monday and you start eating carnivore again, and then you have the loose stools, essentially you're going through the same cycle over and over and, t- right. and your body is not truly getting assimilated. I will say too, that diet uh, sodas have always caused the loose stools for us. I could be eating carnivore and have very normal bowels. This is for my husband and I. And then if I have a diet soda of some kind, like I'm eating the same types of things and that is triggering all of a sudden the diarrhea to start up again. And it's Chris and I were doing some research a couple of years ago about it and found something. I mean, I don't remember the science, but like it just basically it says like those sweeteners and that stuff is hitting your stomach and it's causing this bowel response for you to release. And so like it's just triggering that to happen. And so think about are you doing 
um, sparkling waters that have sweetener in it. Maybe right. it is the bubbles. Is it the diet sodas? Is it the um, coffees with some of the sweeteners? Like there can be other things that are also contributing to it, where if you cut down to water for a couple of days, again, this is maybe a couple weeks in. So another tool to use for troubleshooting those loose stools is um, what are you drinking? And I think those can be factors as well. Yeah, that's all really good. I think for some of my clients, it's the coffee. So when they start the day with coffee, it's a diuretic, meaning that it helps you go. So we have to start getting used to that on a carnivore diet. I think most of my clients do go every day, um, but some of them, they go every other day. And I still think it's relatively normal. I don't think you should go every three to four days because, I mean, we we remove a lot of the toxins and um, things through our bile, through our stools. So we do want to have somewhat of a frequent bowel movement. So I'm not a fan of the people saying, oh, I only go once every five days or once every seven days. I don't think that's ideal. And I think maybe that's part of the diet sodas, like you said about the coffee, maybe it is the caffeine then, or like the teas. If you're doing unsweetened tea, there's a little bit of caffeine in there. Like maybe those are things that are causing that diuretic response in your, in your system. So definitely those are things that you can adjust. One thing I do suggest if you can tolerate dairy is for some people, um, dairy is something that can help slow down some of the diarrhea. If you if you can tolerate dairy, that's always an option. And that segues really into constipation. So if you are more constipated, oftentimes it's usually eating too lean of protein, uh, maybe not being hydrated enough so you don't have enough electrolytes to have you go. I know some people, a lot of my clients, when they first start Soleil water, they actually have like this, oh, no, I need to run to the bathroom and have a bowel movement. It could be some of that. And then if you're just eating a lot of dairy, oftentimes when we switch to this way of eating we're still craving something and cheese is like the easiest snack to eat or even pork rinds. And both of those can cause further imbalances in your bowels. Yeah, definitely. There's also a lot of medications that can be affecting things. I know my mom struggles a lot with constipation. I'm sure she's really thrilled that I just (laughs) told everybody that, but she also um, still takes a a small dose of thyroid medication and that can cause issues for her. Or like if you have Hashimoto's that I didn't realize this and I kept telling her like, quit eating so much cheese. And, um, and while she does go, she does eat a lot of cheese, which is part of the problem. But um, she also has Hashimoto's and that apparently makes your intestines slow down. And so that can cause some issues or medications that you're on. She also like still has in her head, she has to take vitamins, Mm -hmm. even though she knows she doesn't like logically and she knows, but she still just like has them and she takes vitamins. So things like vitamins can really cause constipation and slow things down. Uh, I think most carnivores don't take any kind of supplements or vitamins long term, yeah. um, like that. Just like a normal multivitamin, but those can be um, very binding as well. Yeah, for people with low thyroid function, the thyroid function um, supports your metabolism, so it's functioning at a slower pace than your metabolism naturally slows. For people that have hypothyroid Hashimoto's, for me, when I initially recommend a dietary way of eating, I have to be flexible with the fat because fat, it is the longest to digest. And then in that same regard, then if they have a slow metabolism, it might literally feel like they're, it's just sitting in their stomach for a while. I can imagine that your mom is eating less fat just from that. And then if she's yeah. also adding the dairy and then the medication um, and then some of the supplements, that, especially the multivitamins with binders or fillers, those can also cause constipation. 
Yeah, and she lives on a lot of burger patties mm-hmm. with like cheese and bacon on them. And so she's really not getting a lot of fat in her meat because y'all know how I feel about only living on burger patties. <laughs> um, but so she's not getting the fat on that. And then she's also eating cheese. And then, like you said, the vitamins and medication. So she uses things like magnesium, though, to help um, rather than over the counter, okay. you know, any kind of over the counter stool softeners and laxatives we want to stay away from yes. for sure uh, and stick with something like magnesium. But ideally, cut out the other stuff that like is causing those issues. Right, right. I'm gonna send your mom this later. <laughs> Good. But in terms of she'll, la- listen, she's not gonna listen to me. Of course, we know that she'll listen to you more than she'll listen to me. So funny. So in terms of the laxatives, it's very, very not ideal to be taking them. I know there's a lot of like the senna leaf that's over the counter. Um, when I was in those eating disorder facilities, they were more concerned of people that were using diuretics and laxatives than if you were purging, like throwing up and over-exercising because the mineral imbalance can then cause heart issues. And then a lot of anorexics ends up dying from like heart imbalances or heart issues. So yeah, with all that said, just um, if you are constipated, I wouldn't go the route of laxatives. You can always try a little bit of magnesium citrate for a while, but there is such a thing called lazy colon where your body starts just getting used to an ex- an outside stimulant that then will help you go. So the bowels are like, oh, I don't need to do anything. I don't need to you know, compress or move it so that um, we can have a bowel movement. I'll just wait for the thing. And literally there's a thing called lazy bowel and I'll put it in the show notes, but you don't want to depend on something external long-term. Otherwise you're never going to go. And then when you don't go, you're going to feel like I need to use something to go because I feel all backed up because you're so used to having like zero things in your colon. And so that's when people start using enemas and they use laxatives and it's it's not ideal because I think it's this addictive cycle. The same way that like if you had a catheter in, like say after a surgery or after a situation and you used a catheter for a long time, well, once that comes out, your body has to learn how to like hold it and yes. go to the bathroom again and like regulate your bladder in the same way that, you know, if we're constantly using AIDS to help us poop, then your body has to learn how to do that on its own again. No, exactly. Exactly. Um, I think that was enough about poop. Yeah, <laughs> so let's move on to you. the next question that's really common. It's um, um, I saw one of your stories and it, someone wrote to you that they're really, really not a fan of meat. I thought that was so <laughs> funny. But what do you do when you've been eating meat based for a while or meat only and you're just bored of foods? I It's hard because I feel like um, learning how to cook meat properly is a big part of it because you're probably bored of it because yeah. it's not doesn't taste good. And so somebody like Judy, who I love, can cook a steak in an air fryer every day and she can be totally fine with that. And I cannot. And I would not stick to this way of eating if I had to do that. So to me, it is about cooking things properly and it's making them exciting and it's making them really taste good. Um, I think I, I truly think I could go for like 30 days of eating and never duplicate eating the same thing twice. Like there's so many ways that you can cook meats and cooking methods. And um, even without even using spices, there's just different cuts of meat. And so I think that's the biggest thing is just to find stuff, make small adjustments, you know, cooking things in the oven versus cooking them on a grill versus the air fryer versus the um, stovetop. Like there's just so many different ways you can cook things. And then you also could see if you can tolerate spices. But I mean, just looking at beef and pork, you know, there's just so many different varieties of things. And then incorporating things like eggs um, can also be really helpful. But there's a lot of different animals out there. I would really focus on perfecting how you cook things and then also just trying to mix up 
um, you know, what you're having. You don't have to eat steak every day. And honestly, with beef prices, I'm not doing that right now either. I'm eating a lot of chicken wings. That's almost my go-to. Like if I just feel like not eating a giant piece of meat, like I've been eating so many wings lately because I just feel like I'm snacking all the time or like I'm eating them during a meal, but it feels almost like a cheat meal when you have a bunch of wings. Um, And so that that's been my go-to more recently. I think everyone has to eat the foods that they like. So if you feel that you have to eat organ meats, for example, or you need to have bone broth or you need to have, okay, so I actually think people should have fish. But other than that, you have to find on a daily basis the meats you enjoy. Otherwise, you can't do this long term. You have to figure out what you like and what you enjoy. But I really think it's because people snack. When I talk with my clients with um, their food journals, because we do it often, and I always ask, well, what are you eating lately? And they tell me oftentimes, like if they had a little nibble of something while they were cooking for their children, or they had like full fat yogurt, and then they don't really want anything else. Well, that yogurt has a little bit of sugar. So if you just stick to maybe intermittent fasting and have two meals a day, maybe three meals a day, and really no snacking in between, you'll be hungry enough that when you have that taste of meat on your tongue, and it's salty and warm, it tastes so, so good. I have not found a client yet that if we fix the snacking and we do a little bit of intermittent fasting that they're not wanting the meat yeah a hundred percent and same thing works for kids too like your kids don't want to eat meat and they don't want to eat meat at meals that's my number one tip is stop giving them snacks and they will be hungry and meat will taste better to them like it's not going to be you know it's not going to taste like a cake but they will be hungrier for the meat when they haven't had um goldfish an hour before their meal. Like those things matter so much, even just eating cheese. I think cheese is also a huge one that people go and tend to snack on. That's obviously what I talk about a lot. But, um, if I'm having cheese between my meals, then like no meal actually sounds that good to me. So that's uh, a big part of it. My oldest was a carb addict. I'd say the first year because I didn't know any better. And it was a transition to get him to eat meat-based. And at first, you know, there was like minimal eating and he didn't really want to eat. But over time, it's completely fine. And the more that they are hungry, they will eat. And my kids eat maybe some raw milk and then two meals a day, sometimes two and a half. But as much as they are fully adapted to eating meat-based or mostly meat, if they have like, let's say I created a milkshake of, you know, like raw milk and a little bit of of a collagen. But that drink then, and it, let's say it was only two hours before dinner, they're not going to eat that much at dinner. And I see it time and right. time again. So it doesn't even have to be something super sugary. It's just if th- their bellies are so much smaller than ours, and if they have snacks, then they're not going to want to eat the meat. Yeah. Our friend um, Barbara actually put a post up on Instagram about how she pretty much eats eggs and meat every day, but for a week she did it and it was different every day. You cook the eggs different. One day she did fried eggs like over easy with some chopped up sausage. The next day she took bacon and had crispy bacon and scrambled eggs. Then another day she cooked the bacon and then added the eggs to the half cooked bacon fat. And it was mixed together. She did ham and eggs one day. She did steak and eggs one day. Like you can cook eggs so many different ways and pairing it with some meat cooked in a different way. Like you can eat the same thing every day, essentially, but it's, they're entirely different tastes. Like that was a big helpful tip that I saw that she shared because there's just so many different ways that you can incorporate the same, what you think is meat and eggs, but you could have it 25 different ways. 
um, just by mixing up how you cook it and the way that you cook it. Yeah. And there's a lot of carnivore recipes at this point. I mean, Carnivore 75 Hard, we have a community cookbook that everyone put together. You can get that for free. I'll put that in the show notes. I think Lady Carnivory, she makes a lot of crazy recipes. I don't know how she does it, but she does a lot. So if you want to spend that time in the kitchen and make creative things, she does a lot of things. And there's a lot. Maria Emmerich has a book. I think there's uh, bits of carbs in hers. But I mean, there are options. If you look, you don't have to eat just steak and eggs every day. But one thing that's so beautiful about this diet, as you eat this way long term, and you are using just the food as fuel, you can eat that and you won't actually get tired of it. There's, there's just so many options. Most people find that they like the simple long-term, yeah. but you do have to kind of get there at a point. Yes. And then, you know, I ate steaks pretty much every day for a year and a half and prices went up and also my taste changed over time. And I'm enjoying a lot more variety right now than I really ever did in the past. Um, and so it, you can change. I think also try things that you didn't think you used to like before, right? If you're like, I like fried eggs, I don't like scrambled eggs. We'll try them again, cooked in some bacon fat or cooked a different way. You might realize that your tastes have changed as well. But I do think you're so spot on with the snacking. Like that's a huge part of it. So be honest with yourselves. If you don't feel like you're hungry, start really implementing strict intermittent fasting in that window of eating. It should be solid two meals and nothing in between. Another common troubleshooting area is low energy. So some people initially, as they clean up their diet, they feel great. And then they start feeling a dip in energy where they just feel like their thyroid has crashed. And so that's why there's some advocates that say add in some fruit you'll feel better. And there are some people that initially may feel better because sugar is a stimulant, but over time, they don't even feel better that way. So what have you seen? Um, Have you ever struggled with low energy on carnivore? And if you have, or if you, anyone in your family has, like, how have you improved that? I guess, I mean, maybe I feel I I struggle with sleep issues on and off over, Mm -hmm. but I think that's also, you know, about the fact that I'm traveling, I'm constantly in different time zones, I'm in hotels. I, um, there's just stress, honestly, like my brain can't shut off at night. And I just lay there for hours, like thinking about all the things that I need to do the next day. And, you know, those are things that impact my sleep, um, which then impacts. So I don't want to say maybe it's carnivore, but I really, you know, can't pinpoint it. The fact that like, I'm not, if I get a good solid eight hours of sleep at night, I never feel like an energy dip the next day. Um, but it's just harder for me to get that sleep. I know that things like salt and fat are important. Um, a lot of times people are, you know, you think that something, because you're eating a New York strip that you see the fat on the outside of the New York strip. And you're like, I'm eating a super fatty piece of beef. This is not a fatty piece of beef. A New York strip is very lean. There's not internal marbling. The fat that you see on the outside of that New York strip is actually is great. And there's great collagen in that little strip that's below the fat, really good things, but that is not a lot of fat. And if you are cooking eggs in a little bit of butter, that is also not a lot of fat. Um, even, you know, unless you're eating ribeyes every day or brisket or things, you know, chuck roasts that are much fattier content, you're really not getting enough from the meat only. And I, you know, do try to be clear, even 70, 30 ground beef, people are eating 80, 20, 70, 30 ground beef, whether you're draining the fat or not, it's still not fatty enough for this type of energy. And so, um, you know, that's where I think we see people who are sleeping well and eating this way and maybe still having that. So for me, it's the salt and the fat. 
um, and it's looking for fat scraps to add to things to those, the top of those New York strips or, you know, a way to get more fat in and eat more is to do more egg yolks to egg whites. So do three egg yolks, but only one of them have the whites. If you're, you know, I think this kind of circles back to people saying they can't eat enough in one sitting. So you have to change the the calorie density of what you're eating. And so rather than having four eggs and a bunch of bacon, if you can't, which is still very low calories, that would be like 800 calories, depending on how much bacon you had. But um, you know, if you're, if that leaves you full for the rest of the day, that's not enough calories to sustain you to have healthy hormones and a healthy active lifestyle. And so try switching it up where you're doing more egg whites and your, um, or sorry, more egg yolks. Uh, and so you're getting a higher calorie density in the small amount that you're eating. Again, that's, I like eating a lot, but if most people can't do that. That's all good. That Those tips were really, really good. We got a meat from the butcher. It was a top sirloin. There was a big thickness of fat on the side. And then the inner parts have basically zero fat. We cooked it and I ate most of the outer edges. And then the kids were like, I cannot eat this. There's like no fat in it. As much as that really thick fat cap looked like a lot, um, the rest of the meat was very, very lean. And I had to end up putting their meat in a bone broth to soften it to make it seem a little bit fattier. Yeah, I think it's it really depends on the cuts you're getting. For some people, New York Strip, depending on, again, what type of New York Strip it is, it's sufficient over time as you adjust. But for most women, they might need a little bit more fat on that. And then in terms of the ground beef, so we buy the cheapest ground beef because it's the highest in fat. So it's I think it's even fattier than the 80-20. So it's, it's 77-23, and it's super, super fatty. And then when you cook that, there is a whole bowl of fat that comes from it. And I highly doubt that most people eat that whole fat because you're then eating ground beef in like soup and that soup is fully fat. If you are getting the highest fat, let's say it's 80-20, there's a lot of rendered fat that comes with it. And most people can't tolerate that level of rendered fat. And you can eat it. You can eat it. And some of my old what I eat videos, I drained out the ground beef fat and then I added in butter. And there's always tons of comments that are like, why do you drain the fat and then add butter back in? Because that fat from the ground beef is going to leave me sitting on the toilet for hours, like, you know, uh, feeling really terrible. And it's going to end up dehydrating me um, and bothering my stomach. So I like to add the fat back in. Again, you could eat ground beef. I think that's a really awesome, cheap meal, but be aware of what else are you having throughout the entire day? What is that total calories end up for you? Um, how are you feeling? Right. And what are your goals? And just make sure that like everything is, you know, in the big picture is going really well. Looking at stuff like pork, pork loin is extremely lean where pork belly is really, really fatty. And so, you know, adjusting the cuts that you're doing, um, or just, I mean, like Judy and I always say, like having tons of variety is so important for this reason, uh, to make sure that you're getting a lot of good balanced nutrients and fat intakes. And I eat a lot of pork loin, but I do know that when I'm eating tons of pork loin, I have to make sure that I'm adding in, um, kind of fattier cuts to balance that out throughout the day. I eat a lot of chicken wings, which are fatty. And then I add the pork loin kind of to balance that. I would say also that if you want a fat that's not rendered, um, sometimes I recommend bone marrow. There are some people still that it will shoot right through them. Um, But you just have to see what makes sense for you in terms of fat. Uh, The reason why we keep talking about fat is that 
if you want to have another source of energy and your body is not able to really tap into maybe gluconeogenesis from the proteins, uh, you just may want to give your body a little bit more fat so that it can use that as energy, as fatty acids and ketones. So one thing I would recommend is that if your energy is low, one, I would take a look at your dietary intake. Are you snacking throughout the day? If you're snacking throughout the day because yeah. now your eating window has opened up and you're snacking on pork rinds and beef jerky, I would check your glucose. For a lot of people, whether it's like there's MSG on it, whether there's some um, some herbs on it, sometimes those items can actually make your blood sugar go up. And then I would also check for maybe a week what your ketones and your blood glucose is tracking. And if you barely have any ketones, so less than 0.5, and then your blood sugar is 98 or 100 or somewhere around that range, then that means you don't have enough blood sugar to give you energy. And it's not getting into your cells because your blood is high but your ketones are low and you're honestly just eating meat only, then you have to change your macros up and the way you're eating because you have no source of energy and that's why you're tired. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely. If you have low energy, I would just track your blood glucose and your ketones as well as what you're eating in a day. And if those markers look good, like let's say you have 1.0 ketones and your blood sugars in the 70s, 80s, maybe low 90s, and you're still not feeling good, I would actually do some other tests. You may have mold toxicity. You may have other things. You may want to get a stool test. These are things that after, but I would give it like three to six months of eating meat only before you start deciding that this isn't working. The last troubleshooting topic is really about sleep. So a lot of people will say that now that they're eating meat only and they're not having enough carbs, they just don't sleep well on this way of eating. And I, we just, we, I mentioned it a second ago. It's definitely my biggest challenge. Um, I don't know how much of it is diet related versus how much of it is just life and stress related. And so I think those are important things for you to find out. Yeah. Like, how were you sleeping before? You know, in general, a lot of people who are carnivores do find they sleep less and are feeling well rested, you yes. know, as much as it makes me uh, resent him. My husband sleeps a lot less. He goes to bed at 11 and wakes up kind of naturally between, you know, right around 530 every day and is completely rested. I wish I could survive on that little sleep. I'm somebody who just needs a lot of sleep and um, has a hard time getting it a lot. So I think if you're sleeping less, but feeling very rested, that's okay. Um, there are reasons why you could be waking up in the middle of the night and not being able to go back to sleep. And there are reasons why you may not be able to fall asleep. And Judy did a really awesome job of breaking that down in our full hour discussion on sleep uh, in a previous podcast we did. If you want to I think she'll link that down below for us. When I first started eating carnivore, so I think I was pre-diabetic. And the only reason I think that because I wasn't checking blood sugar back then is that I used to wake up multiple times a night to go to the restroom. So I just thought, man, man, I'm getting older and I need to visit the restroom two to three times a night. But I would go back to bed. So I never had too much of a difficulty going to sleep and staying asleep. It's just I would wake up for that. But again, I didn't understand that was a hypoglycemic event. As I became carnivore, initially in the transition, there were days that I just couldn't sleep. I was like wide awake. I felt like I could go and run down the street, that type of energy. And so I would just be lying there feeling like, oh man, what is this? And then I realized from moments of cheating and then eating, um, getting back to eating meat only that I realized that it's a transition period, that your body's mm -hmm. figuring out the energy load and things like that. After a while, now my sleep is really good. Um, I get six to seven, eight hours of sleep 
What I notice is if I ever add a decent amount of carbs, let's say 20, maybe even 50, those days I am much more tired. Yes, I technically sleep better because I may get nine hours of sleep, but I am tired. So even though I sleep longer, I am more tired, I'm less rested, and I have less energy. So I'm cranky in the morning, and then I feel like I'm hungry, so I need to even eat more. It really depends on what you're defining as good sleep. And from my client's perspective, my definition is I don't care as much of the six to eight hours. Obviously, if you're aura ring, you can measure how much deep sleep, but it's if you wake up in the morning and you feel rested. And then if you can get through the day, most of the day without feeling super tired, sure, you're going to have a dip in energy and you're going to, you may feel tired. I mean, that's why there's things like siestas and they exist and naps exist. And if you can afford a nap, do it. But if in general, your mood and your energy is pretty consistent, then I think that's a win when it comes to your sleep. Yeah, that's such a good point. Hours of sleep does not equal quality of sleep. No, and I think not. those are two very important distinctions and, and figuring that out. I was, I mean, especially, I think when I was a carb eater, I would need at least 10 hours of sleep every night. And when I was pregnant with Penelope, I was sleeping 12 hours wow. every night um, and was still exhausted all the time. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I was a big carb eater back then. And so um, that's a huge distinction. That's important. So when you're getting a little less sleep now, I mean, you travel. Okay, so if you guys don't know, Laura travels so much. She travels oftentimes like to two cities in one week. And then she's like a mom full time. So she does a lot in her life. And I think the traveling from going from Mountain View time all the way to East Coast to sometimes Pacific, it can absolutely wreck her circadian rhythm. So I think Laura's a little bit trickier. But do you think that even with your less sleep that you're getting that you feel more energy than when you were a carb eater and sleeping 12, 10, 12 hours? Oh, definitely. So if I, if I can put together like, you know, seven hours, six, seven hours of sleep, which for me is, is a lot. Like the fact that, you know, even as a kid, I would come home from kindergarten and I would have to take a nap. Like I just have always been somebody who needed more sleep. And so I would sleep those 10 hours and I still would need like an afternoon pick me up uh, and tons of caffeine to get through the day. When now, if I can get a seven hours of sleep, I'll feel like a million bucks for Mm -hmm. a few days. Like it's just a really good, um, it's a much different quality of sleep when I'm actually getting it. So this is the one area that I love CGMs. It's obviously it's beneficial for habits. If you cannot stop eating carbohydrates or sugars, then using a CGM may be helpful just to facilitate motivation to not eat it because you'll see the spikes. But the other benefit is when you're sleeping in the night. I think that's where a CGM is helpful because a lot of times I notice with my clients, they're sleeping and then all of a sudden, boom, they wake up in the middle of the night. Some of them can't go back to sleep. Some of them just go back to sleep right away. What we've seen in the CGMs is that their blood sugar starts starts dropping and then it shoots up all the way to like 150. And that's where why they're waking up. So I think the blood sugar gets low. The body's like, cortisol release adrenaline so that the blood sugar doesn't drop too low. And then you get this um, boost of energy and then you just wake up and you're like, oh, I must need to go pee. But oftentimes it's actually that hypoglycemic effect. And so if you have low energy, I would possibly consider a CGM for just like two weeks just to get that understanding of your sleep and then see what you're doing throughout the day. Were you really stressed that day that you're waking up a lot at night? How was your diet? Were you eating sufficient fat or were you eating on the go? What was the day like? What was the food like? And then that will help determine what is going on with the CGM. Like, did I exercise too hard? I had a client that exercised a lot and the diet was perfect, just doing everything to the T, but it was because of the excess exercise that her blood sugar would drop in the middle of the night and it would skyrocket at, and then she would wake up. 
Hmm. Uh, I think we are going to go through, we haven't done this in a little bit. Let's read some reviews that you guys have left on Apple podcast. It's a great place to ask us questions. So obviously we always appreciate the support. Not gonna lie. I'm having a rough time on the internet being me right now. (laughs) This has not been fun. So I'm uh, appreciating the support that you all leave. And then, um, it's a great place to ask questions as well. So we're going to go through those now. So wait, wait, wait. So um, just to give you guys context, Laura shared a few reels on how to order at restaurants. And as carnivores, it's super helpful, right? So I used to go to Buffalo Wild Wings and I thought, oh, the most economical way to order beef patties is to get the kids meal. But that comes with the drink that comes with French fries. And Laura, in her reel, she said, you can order it a la carte. And I was like, oh, I never even knew that existed. And I started ordering it that way. And it actually saved me two, $3 per patty. So it's wonderful. Well, those reels, while they're popular for carnivores and super educational and informative and entertaining, um, I guess the algorithms picked it up for the rest of the world. And now uh, the rest of the world is commenting on the way that Laura eats, the way that she orders. I think it's wonderful so that it plants the seed. Obviously, people are like, what? I'm a crazy Karen who servers are spitting in my food and like I'm trying to get people fired for causing fraud and like... I don't, it's just like, can I opt out of all of this? It's great. Listen, I'm so used to vegans. You and I know we're used to vegan right. comments. I'm used to carnivores telling me that like this meat is an organic, uh, special, clean enough meat. All those things I'm totally used to. The you're a crazy Karen control freak who uh, I is going to get servers fired for committing fraud is I was not expecting those comments. Um And I actually did something that I've literally never done before is on YouTube. I disabled the comments on that specific short. Yeah. Because it's just, I get, I don't know. Like, I, I just don't know why people need to do that comment on stuff like that. Like when it doesn't affect them. And for the first time in three years of like sharing things on the internet, it's a little much for me. And so I blocked the word Karen on Instagram (laughs) And I, and I turned off the comments on that one YouTube short. I'm like, I would like to go back to my hole of like only having vegans and super dogmatic carnivores attacking me, please. Cause I was, it was much easier to handle that. It's also because vegans know, at least understand the carnivore diet. Whereas these people have never heard of it. They're eating the standard American diet. They don't understand why you're asking for no bread, right. Or that you're asking for these sides of just meat and cheese. Right. The number of people telling me to just like quit being a pain in the ass and stay at home. I'm like, first of all, not that it matters, but I was 2000 miles away from my house when I ordered this food because I travel every week or they're talking about how the server is going to get fired because I convinced her to do something. I'm like, do you know, I've been to, I've eaten a Buffalo Wild Wings in like 20 different states in so many, like hundreds of times and never once has any owner cared. Like this is. I, again, I, I'm the first person to tell everybody, like, don't let it bother you. It's nothing. It's no big deal. And it's taken me three and a half years of sharing on the internet before it's literally ever bothered me, but it's just been a lot. It's been a long couple of weeks. (laughs) So anyway, the silver lining hopefully is that somebody hears your message and sees that you're, they may be like, Oh, I want to know who this girl is, right. That's ordering crazy. And then sees your story, sees how much you've healed and then is sick enough that they're like, I want to try to change. And as crazy as it sounds, maybe I'll just try what she's doing. And um, hopefully that's the silver lining. You also have to realize that like, this was a five minute conversation that the server and I like had a fun conversation and I had to trim this whole entire experience in 60 seconds. And so like, this is the other part that I think maybe 
affected me the most was like the number of people telling me like I'm rude or like I'm didn't say please to her or like quit telling her how to do her job. Like I certainly would never under any circumstance want to make somebody feel that way. And I was very like, that's the part I think that like, you know, hundreds of people telling me that like I was being rude or um, something. That's the part that hurt me. I think I had to take this video where I ordered the first time, like, Oh, can I just have two beef patties a la carte? And she was like, Mm, what do you mean? And I was like, just the patties plain on the tray by themselves. Like, that's it. And she was like, oh, so you want the burger with no bun? And I was like, no, because it's $15. And then you get the burgers and the fries and the everything else. So you guys have a button that the manager at Buffalo Wild Wings told me to say, right? Like you have this button that says extra patty or whatever. So like, because I had to trim this entire conversation down to fit this whole experience in 60 right. seconds, like it is me telling her what button to push in the system. And so it's not like I don't disagree with that, but like people also have to realize that like, it's a little out of context. It's a, it's a shortened thing. I don't know. Like I need to get over it. It's all me, but it's just been a lot. Well, I, so I can attest that I've eaten at many restaurants with you and I've been with you many times and have lived in even (laughs) a same house as you and even in the same room as you. And I, I think that you're very mindful, you're very thoughtful, and you're very easy. I mean, you always are like, whatever you want, Judy, you could pick the bed, you could pick whatever, <laughs> and you're super nice, even with where we're putting our luggage. So, you know, it's easy to comment and judge, and and we don't think twice about it, but we forget that we are human yeah. and that we do have feelings. But so know from a person that actually knows you that I don't think that of you at all, and just know that they're not judging you correctly. And it's just, it's just out of context. Yeah, that's good. I I never thought I would get to the point where like, you know, people call me fat and gross and carnivore and like, or like cholesterol and salt, all the salt comments and none of those things, but that has never, ever bothered me. But just people thinking that like, I'm a rude, demanding, controlling person. Like, I don't know, those were a little, whatever we've moved on. By the time this episode comes out, I am so far past it and it's moved on. The point is. I am focusing on the positive things and like the number of people who that did help. And I know that the restaurant doesn't care and it's helpful. And now hopefully, you know, they were like talking about how much the restaurants and servers hate it. Like, first of all, the restaurant industry is hurting right now. And if I am encouraging people to go to restaurants that maybe wouldn't go before, hopefully a lot of you are going to support restaurants. Even places like Buffalo Wild Wings are owned by small franchise uh, owners and we are supporting them in places that you wouldn't go. And I'm a really good tipper. So I know the servers love me. And every time they see us come in, they know what I want and they're happy to help me because I'm a good tipper and we have fun. So the last time we went to Buffalo Wild Wings because of your clip, I, we ordered four beef patties instead of the one kid's meal. So, you know, and we ended up spending more money. So I think it was beneficial. And I had to tell the same thing because they were like, Oh, you just don't want the buns. And I'm like, no, no, I think you have like an a la carte button. (laughs) And I had to say the same thing because that was the only way they got it. Because I think that most people don't order it that way, even though it's a feature. Right. And that they don't care. It's not like I'm, you know, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so let's move on to the podcast um, comments. It says, always informative and real. Uh, This is by Deb DAG. This podcast has been one of the best additions to my listening rotation. Always informative and real. Question, I know I've heard you cover so many great topics, but can't easily find which episodes to revisit to listen to again. Is there an index? 
I don't know if there's an index in Buzzsprout. That's where we actually host our podcast. You can always do a control find and search. But I know that on certain podcasts, they do have a search in this podcast that you can actually do a search based on titles. I know Apple Podcasts does not allow you to do that. So if you are looking up carnivore, for example, or salt, if you wanted to find something under this cutting against the grain podcast and salt, you can't do that. But there's other podcasts like Overcast, I know that you can search within cutting against the grain for certain topics. So go to things like buzzsprout.com and then you can look at the, you could search there or you could look, it's just not going to happen like in Apple first, for instance, like you said. Yeah. Do you know about Google by any chance? I don't, I've never tried, but I know that Judy does a really good job under each episode, like outlining what we talked about. And so you just have to open the description. So on Google, like, you know, there's, she'll list out like the 10 things that we covered. So that would be the place that I guess I would start uh, in general. Uh, The next one is excellent info and it's from WAM junior general contracting. Finally, someone telling me I not telling me I need my veggies who has had my struggles, who gets how hard it is to moderate carbs when you're addicted, someone who understands how good it feels to just eat meat. And that's why I share and deal with all this stupid stuff because the number of people saying just like, just eat the meal or just eat at home or just, um, a a lot of comments because this is not people who live a normal life and they're all like living in their you know, just scrolling through YouTube all day long or whatever saying just exercise and then eat and moderate. Like people don't understand. You understand. I understand that we can't do that. This isn't about like, just eat the burger and fries and exercise and it'll all be okay. Cause I can't control that. And so I'm glad it was helpful to you. And, and I think it catches up to you long-term. So there's a reason why the population, even if they're thin is dying from heart diseases because you can't do that long-term and they just don't know. Okay, so the next one is 2022 Goal Setting by Selling Phoenix. Really appreciated the show today. I have a call to a possible coach tomorrow and will be much better prepared as a result. Also appreciate how genuine each of you are about things you struggle with. As someone who has struggled with overeating for roughly 42 to 45 years, it's nice to know that I'm not alone in the struggles related to weight, mindset, body image. Thanks for sharing. Thank you. Um, I think that was really beneficial where Laura was bringing in some of the goal setting from her work as well as me just from the clients. And I'm glad it was helpful and um, we get it. And that is the only reason we're doing this podcast is to share and normalize that our struggles are real and they should be heard and validated. Yeah. And we, I don't think there's anything, I think you can do this diet for free. I think there's nothing wrong with the coach, but I think finding the right one and somebody who's going to be helping you on an individual level or like your individual health level is important. And so if you are looking to have a coach, that would be a good one to kind of make sure that you're asking the right questions. Yeah. And I don't know if I'm biased by saying this comment, but I really think that when you're working with a coach or a doctor, I always recommend understanding their bio, meaning that how many people have they worked with or um, helped or treated that are of the same type as you and how many have they healed. So if you're going to a heart doctor and they want you to be on statins, it's asking them how many people have you put on that 
um, didn't have to get on statins, but were able to reduce the risk of heart disease. I like to ask a lot of questions. And then with your coaches and nutritionists, it's understanding how much have they healed? What's their story? How many people have they genuinely helped one-on-one? And then figuring out if that person is actually a good fit for you. I think finding coaches is just like a relationship. You know, when you're trying to find your lifelong partner, you got to make sure that you guys really connect. And not every coach will. Um, I've had many therapists where I just did not think they were a good fit for me. So yeah. um, take that time and honor yourself. Cool. Uh, the next one is titled Have to Listen from Rob Ka. <laughs> These two women have been a big influence on my carnival journey. Carnivore journey. Uh, they both helped me think about a lot of issues I would never have thought about before. It's all real talk, real issues, and great suggestions. Thank you both. Thanks, Rob. We have thank you men uh, followers. Thank you. I know. Welcome. <laughs> My favorite podcast by KKen90. So much great info and easy to digest bites. I love the laid back feel of just hanging out with friends and having great combo. Question: Is there a way to find a carnivore friendly doctor in my area? If so, how would I do that? I live in Medford, Oregon. I think there's a website. Isn't there something Dr. Barry created a search where you can go in and look for keto um, friendly doctors in your area? Oh, Dr. Barry did? I didn't know that. Yeah. Okay. So I know that that there was that metabolic health practitioner group. I don't think they're necessarily carnivore, though. They're mostly low carb. So they may have mixes of carnivores, ketos, keto people, and low carb in that space. I mean, I know I'm in that directory as well, but it is a challenge. Um, that that will be the truth. Um, I have collected on the side some doctor. You can always email my customer support and then I can share my list that I normally give my clients of carnivore doctors. They're not everywhere, but they're just a list that are specific to carnivore. The next one is from episode 42, Judy Got COVID um, and from SLS 1979. I love that you two weren't afraid to talk about this touchy subject. I learned so much and appreciate both of you being honest about what you did and how you feel about everything. My family went through a similar experience when my type 2 diabetic husband with multiple health issues became infected. Of course, all five of us got it too, but my keto vor butt was over in maybe two or three days. I credit my smooth sailing to my lifestyle. I still eat the occasional avocado or salad, but I'm mainly meat-based. I was able to step up and take care of my family while sick. And we're all back to life. So thank you, Laura and Judy, for everything. I seriously get excited every time my phone dings, letting me know that you created a new podcast. I pray that one day I can meet you both. God bless you each. And I wish you continued success on your carnivore journey. Love and light, Samantha. Samantha, so so glad. Yeah, your family is doing well and healthy. And now maybe your husband will realize he needs to get on this uh, ketovore butt as well. And I do think, I think most people are in that boat. I think long-term, most people are start strict carnivore and then they find out, oh, I like having avocados too. And I like having mushrooms or I like having a salad occasionally. And I think that's really awesome. And that's what I encourage. I love it when you guys find other things. This is not a contest to be the strictest, the, you know, the longest. And um, I think it's the point of all of this is to find a way to have a healthy, happy, sustainable lifestyle. And that's all I want for you. So thank you. Yeah, there's no carnivore trophy at the end of the day. Sorry. <laughs> um, and my parents, I mean, they were meat only in the very beginning. And now they probably have half an avocado every day and they feel fine with it. And their lab markers look good. So no complaints there. Cool. Okay, so the, the last one is My Fave by Michelle in Austin. 
Love this podcast and look forward to new ones on Wednesdays. Laura Spath is so down to earth and relatable. She is my favorite carnivore content maker. Okay, Laura, there you go. And this was done this week. So I'm not going to lie. I read that this morning before we did this and I might've cried because I had just read about a hundred people calling me Karen and I turned off the comments. And so Michelle and Austin, your comment came at a really good time for me and I'm fine now. By the time you're listening to this, I'm totally fine. But it was really needed. And I bless you. Thank you for that. You're so sweet. Yes. Note to self, everyone. We as content (laughs) creators are actually human too, and we do get affected. Okay. I think that's it for the questions and reviews. So thank you guys so much for these. And again, this is how we can answer your questions. Um, In terms of the doctor search, I will put as many links to doctor searches that you can find because I'm 100% supportive of finding a doctor that is in line with your dietary lifestyle. I think it's super important because I have so many clients that I have to argue their blood work for them so that they can then go advocate for themselves to their doctor. And it's just such a sad state. One of the things we talked about at the at the low carb conference too, and that they did a good job of saying is like, if the doctor comes back and says their your interns won't cover certain blood work, sometimes it will. It's just requiring an extra step from the doctor. And so don't be afraid. Don't worry about somebody calling you Karen. Like, just be, don't be afraid to say like, I need this blood work done. And please, can you submit a reason? Like the doctors can get the insurance companies to approve those things if they request it. And so, you know, the doctor is an advocate for you as well. You also don't have to do everything and say everything that they tell you to. Obviously you have to find somebody that's going to be supportive of you and your health. And I think more than anything, the last couple of years, we've realized that there is nothing that is settled as far as diet and science and medical information goes. And it's important that you are getting information from a lot of different places. Yeah, that's all good. Cool. Thanks guys for listening today. We love you. Thanks for subscribing. Thanks for all of it. We'll see you guys next time. Thanks for tuning in to the cutting against the grain podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to share and leave us a review and leave any comments and questions on Apple podcasts. We will read and answer your questions and comments on an upcoming podcast episode. This also helps us to share our real talk with more community members. You can also find me on my other podcast, Nutrition with Judy, on all podcast channels. You can also follow my content on Nutrition with Judy's Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. You can find Carnivore Cure in paperback, ebook, and audio on Amazon. I also have a blog post and weekly newsletter with nutrition and wellness updates. You can sign up at nutritionwithjudy.com. You can find Laura on Instagram at Laura Eastbath. You can follow along on her daily stories and see some of her funny skits. You can also find Laura on her YouTube channel where she shares tips on living a meat-based lifestyle. If you're wondering how much meat to eat in a day, week, or month, Laura has you covered. She also shares how to make a perfect sear on a steak and how extended fasting looks like in real life. You can find her YouTube channel by searching Laura's Bath. Thanks again for listening to the Cutting Against the Grain podcast. And remember, make sure to cut against the grain. <laughs>